Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and that was a little piece of a song called Fox Force 5, one of the new singles that's come out in recent weeks from our wonderful guest today, Maddenix. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Did Thank I you for say that me. right? Oh, of course. Did I say that right? Yeah. Maddenix, is that the right pronunciation? I meant to ask you before we started and I forgot because I was all excited to talk to you again. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. We have known each other for about a decade and a half and I've watched you grow as an artist to be uh, a cello player, to be someone who just writes and constantly wants to create. And now you've found this new path with music. You've got a few songs released on iTunes. First, let me ask you, what what would you consider your genre to be? That's a difficult question because a lot of it just came from being open to making mistakes without judging myself. So um, I went to this bass music festival called Lost Lands and it was just heavy bass lines for four days. And I had already been teaching myself um, how to produce for a good year. So my brain was like hearing melody on top of melody on top of all the bass lines. And it was just um, when I got home, I created my first track in a week. And the problem I encountered there is the same problem I still have now, which is I wasn't able to make like a heavy dubstep drop. So I just filled the mix with symphonies of synths and all real instruments since that's a big part of my upbringing so that kind of just shaped my sound i i would call it like a symphony of synths with a baseline genre <laughs> i like that i yeah i definitely don't think that it fits into the standard categories which is always a challenge i have that same problem because when you go to upload it and depending on where you're uploading sometimes they'll ask you for categories or artists you yeah. sound like and i'm like I don't know what the hell to put because I kind of feel like I'm not any, like really anything I can exactly compare myself to. And mm-hmm. it's frustrating to be someone who's creating something like a new genre because people expect you to fit into what they know. Well, even myself, I like when I was making the album, I, I saw myself tipping into what the public expects mm-hmm. and that was no good. I see in some of the songs that it's like not the initial feeling that I started with when I started the collection. Mm -hmm. I think too, a lot of times most artists tend to live longer in their career if they're happy with the stuff that they're writing. And I think most artists agree that if you, unless you walk into it going, I want to specifically create something that's commercially acceptable. um, I think Mm -hmm. that if you're trying to feed your, your soul, which is what you're doing, you need to just write what you write and don't worry about the other things. Let it just be what it is. And then how you sell it can come later. Um, But if you compromise and you're like, well, 
the public wants this or the public needs to have a beat here or they're going to you know drag me through the mud if I don't use this particular brand of synth or whatever. Um, you can't do that. You have to just write what pleases you because it'll probably mm-hmm. please someone else. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that comes back to just being open to making mistakes without judging yourself. Like just as much as in life as with music, it's necessary part of it. Um, if I hadn't allowed myself to do that, I'd probably just not even have started, right? It's better to start sucky and small than to not start at all. I think we just have to be open to that. Well, and I think that for the most part, and, and you can look at any aspect of life this way, most of the time we learn more from mistakes than trying to avoid mistakes. Because if you try to avoid it sooner or later, you might make it. Whereas if you make the mistake, you're probably likely to not make it again. Yeah, definitely. Perfectionism is rooted in fear a lot of the time. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of of not, yeah, just so it's good to be open. You know, as I've gone back and done a lot of album reviews from albums that I grew up with and really started to pay attention to a lot of the intricacies of the music, I'm finding so many songs like from the 70s, for example, where bands were not playing as tight as I thought they were. There's a lot of sloppiness in the songs. And I'm like, this is what makes it good because it's human. It's real. And if they if those songs came out today, everything would be shifted into the perfect spot so that every snare drum was exactly the same and it hit right on the beat and there would be no humanity to it. So I think that it is important to just accept this is the way I played it. It's pretty good. I'm happy with it and just let it be. And we need to do that with everything in life. Yeah, I'm really happy that I put out that collection because I made so many mistakes along the way. Even just myself going back into the projects, I I was completely aware of all the newbie mistakes I was making. But when you have that many layers and time passing by, it's actually just harder to go back and change it. So I didn't want to just stay in a stagnant place. I wanted to move forward because I'm in this for the long run. I'm doing this for me and my own good. So it's it was very beneficial to just go ahead and be aware of the mistakes and ready to move on to the next project to level up. Just trust in my ability. Yeah. And that's such an important way to survive as an artist, because if you sit there and tear yourself apart over every little thing that you did wrong, you're not enjoying it. And if you're not enjoying it, it's not feeding your soul. And Mm -hmm. the other aspect of it too, is that the mistakes that you see that you're making are those mistakes that your listeners are going to necessarily pick up on. Probably not. It's more us beating ourselves up as artists, trying to find that, you know, I need to be perfect to compete in today's world instead of I just need to write music that has feeling, that makes Mm -hmm. somebody do something, whether it's reflect or jump up and sing or dance or want to get in the car and drive or just sit at the waterfall, whatever it is. That's what music should be. And not oh, look, they made a mistake. Oh, look, they didn't do this right. I mean, it's one thing to go, that's interesting because I wouldn't think they would play that way. But it's another thing to condemn somebody for releasing something that is quote unquote imperfect. Mm -hmm. So when you, when you started, when you released your first song, did you feel, okay, I'm ready to do this? Or did you kind of sit there at the button for a while going, do I really want to do this? How did it feel? I wanted someone to come press the button for me. <laughs> I did, didn't want to do it after like 
what I thought was going to be three months of work, which ended up being a year. So I moved. So I didn't have my computer for three months. I just had to put pause on the album, forced to break, um, which I'm grateful now in retrospective. But when you're in it, it's just kind of like, why am I doing this? Um, is it ever going to end? Like, am I going to get to the finish line? So it's really important to always just come from that feeling and remembering your why you're doing this. Um, Cause it's easy to just get lost in that, but definitely I was just overly ready to get it out into the world. I think it's really daunting to hold on to songs for that long. Cause you, you don't relate to them. I, that's a piece of my soul that I, I left in that song. Mm -hmm. Maybe I related to it for like three months, got through some hard times with it, some good times. And that's when I know that I, I would release a song if I'm personally find myself just going back to it when I'm in a moment of high feelings. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I just wanted it out. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that you did because I think, some of the best artists out there that write some of the best material are ones that are afraid to hit that button and never do. And I think that there's probably so many great pieces of art out there, whether it be books or poetry or paintings or whatever, that because they're too afraid to share it, we're missing out on some wonderful things. So I'm glad that you took the initiative and hit the button. Did it get easier with each one? Because you've got, what, six out right now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did it get easier over time? Yeah, and I think I was releasing them every week or every two weeks. So that was a really intense release process with all of like the content that I had to make for the promotion and everything. So now I know like that I'm not going to rush the next album. I'm going to do a lot of this stuff beforehand and update it as I go. It's just you, you don't know what you're supposed to do if you don't try. So and for sure, when you try, there's going to be mistakes that are going to make your next time six times easier, six times better. Just, I don't know. Well, yeah. And, and sometimes what you might consider a mistake can turn out to be a, a blessing in disguise. I've had things where, you know, I had a certain way I wanted to play it. And then when I sit down to play it, I didn't play it right. And I ended up liking that better. And those mm -hmm. mistakes can then make the song better. So I look at everything as an opportunity whether it's something that I need to redo or not, it's like it's an opportunity to play it again or it's an opportunity to play it better or differently or just something. I try and find that as a positive. And if I do, mm -hmm. I can't really look at it as a mistake unless I'm on like take 30 and I'm just not getting it right. <laughs> you know, that's one yeah. thing. But uh, I think that there's uh, some of the most beautiful art to me is art that's honest. And that's what you're doing is you're putting your honesty into it. And that that's part of what makes it so good. Thank you. That's like the number one thing I think in my career's authenticity. My name literally means that. So I kind of need to represent the truth, unity, and just mm -hmm. be me. Yeah, that's very true. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious about, because I struggle with this all the time, and I'm curious how you feel about this as a, as a newer songwriter. When do you call a song done? At what point do you say, okay, it's done. I'm ready to hand it off for, for mastering. So I think my vision of that changed from the first album to the one that I have pretty much, it's not done, mm -hmm. but I know that because I went through that first one. I think 
without that experience, I would be like, okay, this album is done. But now I know that I need to give it a few weeks, if not months, to just breathe, listen to it here and there, but not make any changes. And then come back to it with listener's ear because our brain literally changes and we hear music and process it differently after making music or even just people who listen to a lot of music. So there really is like a listener's ear that we we lose and we kind of, we don't know what our music should sound like. And to us, it could always be more and more perfect, different and different. Mm-hmm. But I think what helps me again is having that many layers in my tracks makes makes it really hard for me to go back so what I've been embracing now as a technique is really just it's hard but trying from the start to make each element sound as final as possible and like if I'm doing melodies I'll try to finish the whole melody of the song or, or finish a whole part of the song right so not just not I let the inspiration out until I feel dried out pretty much. Mm -hmm. But I think a song could always be worked on, um, remakes. So I think it's really just giving it that time to breathe. And then if you go back with fresh ears and you're like, okay, this is good. Or you're like, oh, this is, there's a bunch of things that I would have changed. That's okay too but you'll know if it's if it's right to release it then i had like two songs that i just had to drop last minute cuz it didn't didn't work anymore mm-hmm. um and even just the structure of those songs um cuz they were collaborations so that was a big part as to why it didn't work out but the songs were not done that's a great distinction to be able to make. I remember um, I learned this in high school. Uh, one of my teachers said, never read your own term paper. Because what happens is your mind already knows what you wrote. So it starts skipping over things, right? And the same yeah. thing happens musically. Our brains know what we wrote. We've listened to it 150 times while we were writing it. So <laughs> when you try and go back and listen to it from a technical aspect, your brain is already going, yeah, I already know about that. I don't need to listen to that. And we're missing a lot of things. So it's really a brilliant idea to get away from it. Um, I also find sending it to someone that you can trust uh, is really good to get an opinion on. Um, mm-hmm. you know, can you hear everything? Is the mix balanced? Does the song flow? Does it work for you? You know, uh, That kind of thing could be also really invaluable. But having that mindset going in is really beneficial. You're like way far ahead from where I was at your age as a songwriter, I can say. And that's really great to see. Thank you. I think it's just um, music and life are like so correlated together. So everything that I learned in life, I can like reapply it here, which is so relieving for me because I like to constantly expand. And so this is a plot, like a, not a hobby, but a, a passion that allows me to constantly grow and expand and create and not just stay in a state of stagnation. So I knew it was hard going in. I knew it wasn't going to be, uh, I've, I've seen it. Like I've seen the Cirque artists and just artists that were independent and struggling to get a show, right? Book a show. I saw that as a kid. So deep down, I think I always knew it was going to be really hard but for some reason I just decided that I'm going to do it anyways 
still now I, I come back to this thought where I'm like, yeah, I knew it was going to be this hard. So I should just be happy that I'm like, if I look at my 17 year old self right now, she would be celebrating on the floor for whatever I've created right now. So I go back to that recently a lot too, my 17 year old self. That's pretty cool. I, I like that you take that perspective because it is important to kind of note different points in our life and where we're at and how far we've come because we can't really appreciate what we've accomplished if we don't kind of get out of the forest and take a look at the trees every once in a while. Mm. Yeah. And you definitely grew up in a, in a very musical environment with your mom being a Cirque performer. And uh, that's how we came to meet. Um, it is a, It is a tough thing, you know, and I live in Vegas now. And I have a lot of friends in the shows and, and I can tell you that, you know, it, it, it hasn't gotten any easier. <laughs> you know, it hasn't really changed. I think that's just the nature of the business. There's a lot of people that want these positions and a lot of people that are qualified for them, but you can only pick one. So even people that are very good at what they do aren't necessarily going to get the job. You know, there's only so many shows and so many positions, but at the same point, there's still a lot of shows, <laughs> and a lot of positions available. So especially now that here in Vegas, we're opening up after the pandemic again, all the shows are back up and running now, uh, which was really weird for a while. But um, yeah, so it's nice to, to have artists performing again and, you know, doing the things that fulfill their soul. But I think that's, that's it for you is this, this really isn't about being a musician. It's about doing something that fulfills your soul. Yeah. And it's a part of me that I, I like rejected for many years like I didn't want to just do what my parents did and I didn't I it felt imposed because it was just always in my life mm-hmm. and I don't know eventually it just I realized it was always there and it kept showing up like I the reason I started DJing is because I got rejected from a college that I always dreamed to go to and accepted in one that had an amazing DJ booth. So that kind of re-triggered everything in me. Cause even just with singing, I, I was always singing growing up. And then it came to a point where I was surrounded with not so great people who would just dim my light and tell me to stop singing all the time. So I, I completely shut that off topped with my mother singing in the house, giving classes 24 seven I was just like, okay, this is not, maybe it's not for me, but really like it's what I need. And yeah, I think I went kind of downhill in life when I shut that part out of myself. I stopped cello. I stopped, I really just became like a lawyer or school person and studying and trying to build that kind of stable life. But that's not for me because I, I crave that expansion, that growth and I like being uncomfortable. And I think that's what scares me the most is how I'm not scared of a lot of things. Like for sure, I have some deep intrinsic fears, but deeper than that is that I'm not scared is that I know that I'll be okay. Well, and I think too, sometimes we need to go through those experiences to really, again, kind of make a benchmark and appreciate where we're at. If we just always are in the business and we're always like lighthearted and just ready to go every day, like somewhere along the line, something's going to happen to throw us off that rail a little bit. And I'm glad it happened to you at an earlier point in your life, because now you can always have that to look back on and go, remember when I surrounded myself with people that I just didn't work with? 
you know, that, that just tried to dim me and, and tried to push me down and not allow me to do what I wanted to do. I changed that because it was more important for me to do those things than to be with those people. And I think peer pressure is such a killer for artists, whether it's people that judge you for what you're doing or people that just judge what you do in general. You know, like those people were clearly not supportive of you being an artist and that being your passion. So making those changes, it's not even a question of doing it. It's just we have to. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah, no, not at all. Because sometimes even when you're surrounded by good people, you can do that to yourself. You can dim your own light and not allow yourself to shine as bright as you know you can. Um, that's where I'm at right now. I've just decided to put that completely aside. And I'm just doing this because it's my air and I need to be doing this. This is the medicine that I have to share with the world and I can't not share it. And I know that's my calling and I know that in my soul. So I'm just at a point where I need to stop dimming my light. And if that makes people uncomfortable that I'm choosing to shine, then so be it. They're not part of the journey. They're not meant to be part of this journey. Exactly. Basically. You know, it's it's always good to have people in your life that will put you in check every once in a while and go, hey, are you on the right path? Are you happy? You know, just kind of check in and make sure, give us a reason to take a look at ourselves and make sure that we aren't just so lost in what we're doing that we still enjoy doing it. Uh, but there's a difference between that and people that just want to take you down because of whatever reason, whether it be, I'm not doing anything with my life, so I don't want anyone else around me to either because I'll feel bad or yeah. whatever it is. So I love that you that you get that. At your age, that is amazing. Um, I think I learned that at like 45, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's a good lesson to learn up front. I also say, um, you know, people change over time and people that might be working well with you now and that you're just in a great harmony with doesn't mean you always will be, you know, mm -hmm. people grow in different directions. So I think we also tend to remember people for uh, who we knew when we first met them or the first impression that they gave us. And we tend to ignore things that they've done over the course of time that maybe make them less in harmony with us. So it's always a good idea to step back and evaluate everything, I think, in our lives. Yeah, I've always just kind of put, my dad always told me, stop putting the weight of the world on your shoulders. I only started understanding now what that means. I think I had so much compassion for humanity that I, it was affecting me negatively. So <clears throat> I, I'm like, I completely understand that it, it makes people uncomfortable to see people not afraid to own their light because it forces them to need to do that change too. It makes them feel like they need to change. And some people are just not ready. And that's why I, like, I really don't take it personally when there's some people that don't, um, I don't know, I haven't gotten that much um, real world feedback that much, but if they don't like what I'm doing, it's okay. Like they, they just need needed me as, as a, a trigger point in their life to think, think about those things and they'll find the journey in the person that really leads them to ideas that resonate with truth in them and, and that are doing things that they really believe that they can do. So I think the right people that are meant to follow this journey, 
they get fueled by seeing me. They, they, they change with me, they grow with me. And that's something I've been experiencing recently, getting feedback from like positive feedback and people telling me how much of an impact it's had on them. So it's really interesting to see that because you don't think that what you're doing has an impact. I don't know, at least not at the start. <laughs> Most people don't take the time to tell us. You know, they they might enjoy yeah. it. In fact, it was years after I started putting out music that I found out anyone was even listening. I had no idea yeah. until it casually came up in conversations. I'm like, why didn't you tell? Like, if if you're if you're inspired by somebody that does something, take a minute and tell them. Just say, hey, yeah. I just heard your new song. I love it, or your new album's great, or I can't wait to hear it, or just something. You know, we we put it out there, and it's just like crickets. You know. Yeah. Um, when, when I worked on films, it's easier because, you know, you, you know, that people are watching the film and they're experiencing your music as part of that journey, but just, you know, say something to artists that inspire you or do something to make you happy. That means more than the purchase of the music to me. I'd rather just know that someone cares. Those messages, like those few messages, I go back to them mentally. Like I, it, it really is a big source of what keeps me going. So yeah, no. And again, if you don't put out that music, then you don't get the feedback from the real world and you you can't evolve in the same way as if you were. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you had mentioned music as medicine earlier, and I, I could not agree with that more. And it doesn't matter what the genre is, whether it's rock or new age or rap or hip hop or anything, it's medicine to someone. And I've always said about you that you're incredibly talented incredibly intelligent and you have an amazing heart. And so you ending up doing things to want to heal people and put things out in the world that will feed their soul. That is so you. And that's just a natural thing for you. Yeah. And that's what I mean by the medicine. Like everyone has that a purpose that they're supposed to find a calling, a gift that they have to give to the world. And it's, it's medicine for, for them and for other people and you you can't not share that when you do figure that out. So it's really just that for me. And I'm super grateful that I'm aware. But it, it's it took a lot of bad and a lot of like climbing up cliffs on my own, like after falling 20 times to get to this point. And a lot of people don't know that. They don't see that. And I for sure want to be open about that too in the future. So I want my past to be a medicine too. There's a great meme I've seen. You you might have seen it too, where it shows, you know, above the waterline, there's just this little tip of an iceberg that's, that shows basically what, like what artists release into the world and what people see of our lives. And then under the waterline is this giant rest of the iceberg that was the struggle to get that little tip out of the water. And I, I think you're right. I think people really don't understand what it takes, the, the solitude sometimes as artists that we feel, the just the amount of energy and passion. And you know, sometimes it's pushing a boulder up a hill to get things to sound the way we want them to sound. But we do it because to not have that end result, it just doesn't work. The whole song doesn't mm-hmm. work without it for us. Yeah, yeah. So I really love, I love that picture because I think it represents very much how I felt, you know. Most people don't even know like what a DAW is. And that to me was shocking, learning that music was made like that and that people don't know that. I wanted to share that to the whole world. It's like, damn, like 
this is a whole science. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And music is so mathematical. A lot of times people don't, I, I don't think of it in terms of math. I don't write out equations to write my music. But when I look back at it, I can subdivide and things and see the math of what I've written. But I, I tend to write, and I think I'm going to guess that you do too. You write more from just feeling. This is yeah. the feeling I like. This is what this part should be. This is what this instrument should do more than anything else. Yeah, like literally, I'll just give a funny example of a song that I just, I think it's my favorite one that I'll be releasing next. Um, someone told me I look like Carrie Fisher from Star Wars. So I rewatched it mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> and that song came from it. And oh. like just the feeling of Star Wars itself. And I, I love that I can do that. And that's how I love making music. Cause when I'm, when I go in my head and I'm like thinking too much about it and I'm like, ah, this storyline with this lyrics and this vibe and this genre, it just, it, it doesn't work. Come on. And like, if I just sit down and play the piano and let my soul tell me what to do, really thinking is the enemy i think for making music for me yeah it is for me too i can overthink myself out of a good song i can overthink myself out of a good mix you know Mm, mm, blending mm. and panning and all those decisions because really songwriting is thousands of decisions yes but if you just feel it you don't have to make the decision yeah you know and and it'll come out better uh i i love that i love the way that you approach it um I'm curious, do you start by a lot of times just like pulling up a sound and playing with that sound and then you start to get an idea for a melody? I tend to do that a lot. I think a lot of the times I'll just pull a drum loop. I really need a rhythm. I'll make a very simple melody. I think before I used to really select the sound and then I stopped. Now I'm kind of going back to that because of trying to make every element final as possible as I'm creating it. So that's a big part of it, selecting the right sound. Um, But I'm really lucky because I get to do my own vocals. So I get to make the music in correlation to the vocals and, and build on that. So the melody that I have with my bass line completely it changes a bit when I add the vocals. So that's something I realized that's a huge advantage. It completely shapes the whole process. If I make a song without vocals, it's going to be a completely different process than if I'm just doing openly everything. Exactly. And you have to leave room for the vocals too. You can't just have you know full rich music and then add a vocal on top of that because the, the vocals yeah. need somewhere to sit, right? Yeah. Uh, The other thing people, a lot of times I've learned that they don't understand about music is that every time that you add another sound, it can change the way the other sounds sound, right? So you add a guitar line, it can change the way your bass guitar sounds, or you add a vocal, it can change the way your drums sound. Everything affects everything else. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting to layer, especially as many layers as you do, because you're really altering everything that you've done before with everything that you add. Yeah, I think my brain is wired in a way where it just hears, like, even if I had three synths doing, like, three similar melodies, but harmonizing with each other, my brain could continuously add other melodies on top. So it's like, that's where it gets hard for me, where I'm like, 
okay, is the listener's ear able to get this complexity? So a lot of the time I do think about that, but that's as far as I'll go to consider the public when I'm making my music. Sorry to say, but no, that's, there's um, nothing wrong with that. And I think you're absolutely right because you can, you can overwrite in a way that works, but maybe doesn't translate to, you know, to the listeners. And that is an important distinction. Uh, do you ever take, maybe say, I really like this melody. I'm not going to put it in the song. Do you then save that melody for another song? Or does that just kind of go by the wayside? It's very rare because uh, I learned that for me early on, if I want to finish anything, I need to finish the songs that I'm working on. So I very, very, very rarely, I'm not attached. That's another key. As much as you have to be open to making mistakes, you have to be willing to detach from that melody. Like if it's like, if it's not resonating, you're just working on it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it's not coming along. I tend to let that go completely. Just delete, restart from fresh. I'll have better results than if I just sat there trying to make it work. Sometimes if I'm like, yeah, I'm feel I can feel this melody, but I'm not feeling it, then I'll put it aside. But right now I think I only have like five projects like that because I really, really, really like finishing the song because a lot of the time you don't, you give up on ideas before they're even cl- like close to being done. So you don't even know how it could be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just trusting that you'll be able to turn that idea into something gives you a result that you would have never even been able to imagine so that's why i make it a very big point to finish basically everything i start even if i'm not releasing it that's great and it's a great exercise too for you to be able to take anything and finish it you know a lot of times i get stuck on a melody i'm like i don't know what to do with this and i'll just put it aside and anytime i've gone back to it i'm never able to pick it up i can't get in that zone again yeah. You know, so it's like you're right. You have to stay on that train until it gets to the destination or or leave mm-hmm. it behind and say I'm I'm switching tracks. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great distinction. Um I and I'm curious too. I'm sorry, go ahead. I think you played Fox Force 5 at the beginning of this interview. Um a lot of people like that song the most. I think that's one of the songs that I was not going to release because it's very simple. And like Technically speaking, if I open the project, it's, there's really not that much going on to it, but a lot of people love it. So I think that's another reason why I finish my projects, because even if the project is not really complete and the song doesn't feel complete, it's, it can still be complete enough, especially if you leave it aside for a little bit. So, yeah, simple is, is good, too. There is beauty and simplicity, too. But there's, but I like the intelligence in your music with the layering because I hear so many different things going on and I'm like, wow, I would have stopped like 30 layers ago and thought the song was good. But now I'm hearing all these possibilities because I'm hearing, wait, where did that sound come from? Wait, what was that? And I rewind and I listen to it and now I heard something else that I didn't hear in the last pass. I mean, there's, there's so much that you can listen to one song over and over and over again and find something different in it pretty much every time. And that is beautiful because that that makes the music always alive. You know, Mm -hmm. that's really cool. That's true. Uh, So you mentioned that you're going to be releasing more. What uh, do you have an idea when you, when we can expect something more from you? Oh, that sounded horrible. (laughs) I don't know why I phrased it that way. Expect something more from you. Like get get there and do it. I don't (laughs) mean it like that. When do you think you'll be releasing more? (laughs) Um, 
I will be releasing more music, hopefully as soon as possible. That's like what I need in my soul. And like you, I want to get to a point where I'm releasing two collections, albums per year. Mm -hmm. But because I'm just moving all the time, like it's just not possible. Like there is, like I said, three months last year when I was making the album that I didn't have my computer. So I'm not going to make that mistake again, but I also am in a place where I want to prioritize family. I haven't seen them in 15 years, which is absurd. And I just, I think I have four, five, six, seven songs that I want to release already, but they need more work for sure. I want to let them rest for a little bit because I just like, I guess I was super inspired after not making music, just being focused on releasing. So just, and I had a, my dad's apartment to myself. So just that creative space that allowed for me to just let inspiration flow out. So just the time to really piece those together nicely. I don't want to do any of the mistakes that I did in the last album. So I'll be a perfectionist in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I, I also learned that rushing is this, it's a killer. You're doing things on your own time when there's a divine timing to everything. And if you just trusted surrendered to the process and trusted that you're going to get it done when it's supposed to get done which is hard for a lot of people and I understand why and it took me a lot to get to this point but I think you get much better results than 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 rushing it you're absolutely right and those are the mistakes that you're less likely to forgive yourself for you know, mm -hmm. you can you can make a mistake in a song and you can be okay with it. But when you rushed to get something out, you're always going to look back on that and go, I wish I would have waited. I wish I would have released it when it was ready. And that's one mistake that you might find hard to forgive yourself for. So again, that's a great thing, a great distinction to make at this point in your career. I'm kind of going through that with these songs right now, for sure. Because I, I, like I said, I don't relate to them. And I'm the music that I'm making right now doesn't even compare to to those songs like just the me throwing out an idea into the DAW is so much more cohesive and complete so that's interesting too to see how I'm like leveling up it's really it's what I wanted I wanted this constant growth and so yeah definitely hopefully soon my my one boundary I guess is to release it before I started releasing the last album. So within a year for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. At least have that time frame. Well, I'm already looking forward to it because the six songs that you have out now, I absolutely love. And the magical thing for me, and, and I mean, you know, bias aside because we're friends and I've known you for all these years, but uh, I really should say family because I really feel like we're more like family than friends. Yeah. But um, bias aside, and this is not my genre of music, I can listen to this music and say, I really like every one of these songs. Mm -hmm. I find something heavily enjoyable in every one of them. I feel uh, a deep yearning for the songs to be good and to be passionate, but I also feel like you didn't compromise anything. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I, I don't get that often. You know, Thank I often you. feel like you put this in here because you thought you had to or you know, there's always just something that I feel like people made decisions that they felt they needed to make instead of making ones they wanted to make. And that's mm -hmm. a big difference in what I hear and what I enjoy. Yeah, that's a big 
Well, first of all, thank you so much. I, I really like hearing this feedback because that's what I'm, I'm working for. And I think I might have lost my point. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It happens. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm very excited to, to listen to these songs and to hear new ones. But I'm, I would rather be patient and wait because I know when you do put them out there, they'll be ready to be released in your eyes. So Mm -hmm. I'm okay waiting. Um, Now we're going to have the links to where people can find your music. It's a little tricky with iTunes because with iTunes, we don't have artist pages. We have links to individual songs. So for you guys that are listening, when, when you go to the links that I provide, you can click the name Madnix and then it will take you to the entire catalog that she has on iTunes. iTunes is a little, um, they're not the easiest to work with when it comes to to linking and that, but uh, a very vital resource for people to release music. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's also on Spotify, Deezer, and I think another one that I'm not sure of. Okay. Who did you release yeah. through? Uh, who's your like major host for your music? DistroKid. Okay. And I just got copyrighted on one of my own songs. So <laughs> for posting a dance video of my song that I filmed, edited, directed myself. So I'm dealing with that now. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, how I actually, dare I? I had that same thing happen because uh, I used to release all my music on CD Baby. And yeah. I started releasing videos for some of the songs. And I would just get yeah. like within seconds of the upload. Now they don't even wait for the upload to finish. They're scanning that file yeah. while it's uploading. And I would get these copyright infringement notices. And I, and I didn't know who they were coming from. And then when I found out it was CD Baby, I'm like, I paid you to, put, to do that. To do that. So they said, oh, all you have to do is like send us your YouTube channel and then we can uh, whitelist it so that it just clears everything that goes through. I'm like, I'm going to need to do that. Yeah. So they should just be able to take your YouTube channel and go, "Okay, you're releasing stuff. We we are not going to flag it anymore on this channel. So, yeah, it's it's right. I appreciate it because they're trying to protect us as artists. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, that should be part of the account setup, right? Like when you're setting up, it should be, do you have a YouTube channel? And you put that in there so that it automatically gets whitelisted instead of waiting for the digital violation to come through. That -hmm. really put me off. Yeah, I was definitely surprised. Um, And it even says claimant, the claimant of the copyright Akashic Records, which is what I put (laughs) as my record label for for those kinds of claims right. and the song that got copyrighted is Akashic records. It's like, how did the algorithm not put mad from distro kid and mad from YouTube? Right. Like, well, I mean, somebody could create a channel under that name if you hadn't done it already. So I, I kind of get that. No, <laughs> just don't. Uh, but I, so I kind of understand that, but they should have in the, you know, in the, in the profile setup that you should put your YouTube channel there and then you'd never have to worry about that issue. And YouTube is like the only place that really violates for copyright. You can put that <laughs> yeah. same thing anywhere else. I could put uh, you know, your music on a podcast and the only place I'm likely to get flagged is YouTube. Mm, that's true. Which is like, thank you, but we need to, to adjust it a little yeah. better. So for you guys that are listening on YouTube, if there's no intro with, with her music on it, that's because I got flagged and had to re-upload it. <laughs> but you'll have the Should links be. where you can go to listen and and enjoy and and download what she's done because it's it's really worth taking the time to do. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so great to talk to you and I'm so excited to share your music with the listeners and I hope they enjoy it as much as I do. Yes, thank you so much. It was so lovely. <laughs> 
Come back on and see us again. Will do. You take care.